Welcome to the NutraCast, a production by Nutra Ingredients USA. I'm Danielle Masterson. Thank you for joining me here on the NutraCast, where we talk and share insights from inside the nutrition industry. Over the course of the next year, lawmakers on the U.S. House and Senate Agriculture Committees will draft a new federal farm bill that will shape a number of programs for the next five years. So what does that mean for the hemp industry? Joining me now is Medical Marijuana Inc.'s CEO, Blake Schrader, to tell us what's at stake. Hi, Blake, and welcome to the NutriCast. Hi, Danielle. Happy to be with you today. I'm happy to have you. So, Blake, you've had about a decade in the industry. What has that been like before we get into everything? It has to have been kind of crazy. Oh, it has been the most thrilling ride uh, that you could ever possibly anticipate. I remember I came to the company in 2016. That was prior to the 2018 Farm Bill. We were obviously convinced that CBD products were 100% completely legal. It's our company that launched this entire industry. I remember I went down to uh, an event downtown in San Diego. It was in the convention center. And uh, it was a you know cannabis-related event. And it was my introduction to the industry. And uh, it was the wild, wild west. And man, have we come a long ways since then. And I think our company has provided a platform for that to be able to happen. And we're proud to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, it has been a wild ride. So you started in 2016. 2018, the Farm Bill passed, opened up a massive market. What are some of the biggest challenges that have been identified with that implementation of the law? Yeah, I think there's, you know, first of all, the the 2018 Farm Bill was a massive, massive victory for the cannabis industry and in particular the hemp industry. What the 2018 Farm Bill did is it made clear anything with less than 0.03% THC was not defined as a federal controlled substance, but was rather defined as hemp, which is now legal under federal law. And so you saw a lot of you know, companies and organizations starting to get into the space created a massive, massive victory. But there's still a lot to be done with respect to cannabis legislation in this country. Of course, you know, the long term goal that we've been fighting against since all the way since, you know, 1929, when marijuana was prohibited and became a controlled substance in our country is full cannabis legalization and legislation in our country. Of course, we're not discussing that in this current iteration of the Farm Bill, but there are many, many things to tackle in the current upcoming 2023 Farm Bill. And so talk to me about the importance of including some language to regulate, say, CBD in this next Farm Bill and how your company is going to help set these regulations to maybe eliminate some bad players. Of course, I I think that, you know, the respectable players in the industry just would like some guidance. Again, in 2018, the Farm Bill made clear that anything with less than 0.03% THC is completely legal for use in foods and food supplements. Well, where do those products fall? Are they foods? Are they food supplements? Is there some kind of a different category? You know, so far, the FDA enforcement around the issue has just been with respect to uh, companies or uh, that are making medical claims. Of course, uh, we don't do that and we would uh, like for nobody else to do it. You know, these are clearly foods or dietary supplements and uh, just some guidance in that respect would be a great win for the industry, I think. And you mentioned the THC limit. Are you comfortable with where it's at or do you want it to change at all? Of course, as uh, as Medical Marijuana Inc., I mean, like I said, when we kicked off, we would love to see just full free access to cannabis to all Americans. And then, you know, once we do that, that, that trend will continue around the globe. Of course, that's not what's on deck uh, in 2023 for the Farm Bill. 
But what is, is raising the THC limit above 0.03. And what's being discussed is raising the limit to 1% THC. We think that would be a big win. You know, the 0.03% rule is causing all kinds of problems for farmers. If, they're, if their testing comes in a little bit above, they have to destroy their entire crop. We obviously think that there's benefit to having a little bit more THC. We don't believe that it would drop the product into a realm of psychoactivity with that low of a concentration, but still would provide extra benefit to consumers. And so we would love to see uh, the legal limit raised uh, to 1% as opposed to 0.03. And just thinking about, you know, dietary supplements, hemp, all things that kind of fall under that umbrella, what is your supply chain like? So, yeah, interestingly enough, before the farm bill, the legal way to do this business was to import product from Europe because it was completely federally illegal to to grow any type of cannabis in this country. Um, And so all of our supply chain was from Europe back in those days. A lot of our supply chain still is because we believe that we have really, really high quality products that are coming and raw material that's coming from Europe uh, in, in strains that have been grown for decades over there. You know, the industry is still relatively young here in the United States in terms of, you know, CBD or non-psychoactive type cannabis being grown. Um, But we do now source some of our products from the U.S. as well and uh, still great material. And so now we've got a mixture of both. Okay. And I'm just thinking about the farm bill, the crop subsidies that go to these major commodity crops, corn, soybean, cotton, rice. Where does hemp fall? I guess, in other words, you know, how important is hemp when you zoom out and look at the big picture? I would say, thank you for asking that question. I would say massively, massively important. And I would say that it really hasn't started yet. That, that's not necessarily true. Just a, a couple of weeks ago, the USDA gave a $21 million grant for a hemp as a climate smart commodity to a couple of different groups. Um, I think the future in the future, you know, hemp crops will become a major, major portion of sort of being used as an energy type product. I mean, you know, most people don't know this. A, a hemp plant looks a lot different than a marijuana plant. Uh, it actually looks a lot like a bamboo plant. These are very, very tall plants. They grow up to 20 feet tall in just a nine-week growing cycle, which provides a massive amount of biomass. And that biomass can be used for many, many, many things, including sustainable energy. And I, I have to think that in the future, there is a massive, massive play there and a massive win for the environment and for the companies that get involved in the space. Yeah, yeah. It's such a versatile plant. You mentioned uh, sustainability. Where does climate change and sustainability rank as a concern in the hemp industry? Well, you know, I think as as uh, cannabis entrepreneurs, you know, we've been really, really passionate about providing free access and the benefit that free access could provide for people. And I also think that if you talk to most people that have been involved in cannabis advocacy, you know, we care about the environment. I know certainly our company does. And so, you know, bringing a solution to a, you know, energies in the news all the time now, right? It's what we're talking mm-hmm. about uh, in our current political environment. And I think cannabis has been largely ignored in the discussion. And that's just a shame because I think that the cannabis industry could provide massive solutions. I was, again, I was happy to see this $21 million grant for hemp as a climate smart commodity. And I think really there's a big future in that sector. And I'm just thinking about all the people that work in that sector. 
This country is seeing a lot of growing support for unions, Amazon, Starbucks, Apple, the list goes on. Is that something that you're seeing in the hemp industry as well? We haven't seen that kind of thing yet. You know, the hemp industry is still really a very micro type industry, right? You still have a lot of large organizations that don't get involved in the industry because they're nervous about what their banks or, you know, accountants might say about it, which is really a shame because uh, what we're doing is 100% completely legal. But you still have, you know, certain organizations that are not willing to get involved with with companies that are involved in the cannabis industry. I would say that must drastically change so that we can provide way bigger solutions for way bigger problems than the cannabis industry has done so far. And talk to me about your thoughts on the DEA lab testing requirements. Hopefully that's one of the things that goes away in the next iteration of the farm bill. You know, if you have to imagine the number of farms growing cannabis in our country right now, which is actually quite large, and having to have the DEA come out and inspect every single one of them. You know, first of all, I'm not sure that it's feasible. Second of all, why would it be the DEA? I mean, the FDA in the last version of the Farm Bill clearly said that anything with less than 0.03% THC is legal for use in products like foods and food supplements. And so in that case, why would the DEA need to be involved at all? I think that needs to be completely reworked. And if it is, it will be a big victory for the industry. Mm -hmm. So you're for lab testing, just not through the DEA? Yeah, I think you just got the wrong organization involved. And most definitely, uh, you know, in, in terms of our own products, for example, you know, we test every single bit of raw material that comes into our facility and we test every single finished good that leaves our warehouse. And so we know the exact cannabinoid concentrations in, in our raw material and also in all of our finished goods. And we pass that information along to our consumers as well so that, you know, whenever they order a product, they can actually tell where it's coming from, what cannabinoid con concentration there is. And I think that's the level of professionalism that we should all strive for as, you know, players right now and future big players in the industry. Yeah. I mean, how expensive is it for hemp sampling and testing? What are those fees like? Yeah, great question. You know, it's it's one of the costs for sure of being associated in the industry, and they are significant. And uh, it's a cost that other manufacturers don't have to bear. It You know, being a pioneer in an industry, you are going to go through these things. And uh, whether being in the cannabis industry does, you know, have its hurdles, and this would be one of them, there's relatively few operators. And uh, those that do full cannabinoid, you know, profile testing, it is relatively expensive, but it's also important. You know, consumers really ought to know what they're putting in their body and they ought to choose a brand that is willing to pay those extra expenses so that you can see what you're getting in your finished goods. There are a lot of growing pains. What about background checks? Is that something that other crop growers experience or is this something just specific to hemp growers? I mean, great question. And again, you know, I'll, I'll reference the 2018 Farm Bill and the massive win that it was for the cannabis industry, you know, and clearly uh, anything with less than 0.03 percent and hopefully 1 percent after the next iteration of the Farm Bill is completely legal. So, you know, it'd be crazy to ask a tomato farmer if he had a prior cannabis conviction as an example. And so mm -hmm. I, I really don't think it, it's fair to say, well, if you've got a prior cannabis conviction, you can't grow legal hemp 
in our country, I mean, hopefully that's really one of the things that goes away in the next iteration of the Farm Bill. So what do you expect? Do you really think that there's a real possibility that it could go up to 1%? I think there is a real possibility that it goes up to 1%, and we certainly hope for it. You know, we're involved with a with a group called the U.S. Hemp Authority. We sit on their roundtable, and, you know, they fund all kinds of different activities in Congress and, and are helping in the legislative process. And we would love to see the limit go to 1%. First of all, we think we could provide way better products to people. And second of all, again, I'll reference what I said in the beginning. What we care about is free access to cannabis to people. And the reason why we care about that is because we've seen clients of our company just have really, really tremendous results. And so we want to be able to provide the best high quality product possible for them. And we believe that uh, if you can provide up to 1% THC, which we still think is non-psychoactive, it would be great for, for consumers. It'd be great for the industry. And in the end, what we'd like to see is full cannabis legalization. And, uh, and so it'd be another step closer to that. Mm-hmm. And you've been actively lobbying on the 2023 Farm Bill. Talk to me more about your Farm Bill platform. Yeah, so I kind of referenced it before. We use a group. We we're we're in collaboration with a group called the U.S. Hemp Authority. The state of Kentucky has been a real champion for the entire cannabis and hemp industry, and so that that group is based out of Kentucky. Lots of great resources there, and I think that together with the U.S. Hemp Authority, we've been able to make great great progress. I think the group was very influential in the 2018 Farm Bill, and I believe it will be in the 2023. Farm Bill as well. And so we're happy to be a part of and support that group and make positive change in the world. Okay. And what is your outlook for 2023? Is there anything else we didn't talk about that you think we're going to see out of that next iteration? You know, I'm not certain that it will be a part of the Farm Bill, but it's related to everything we're talking about. You know, cannabis companies trying to do banking is still very, very tough. And so that needs to open up a little bit. And hopefully, if we get a little bit more clarity out of the Farm Bill, then more banks will become willing to do business with, you know, full-blown cannabis companies. I believe that actually should include medical marijuana businesses. I mean, you have in 38 of our states now, you know, full-on marijuana programs. I think the federal government needs to open up their eyes to that and see, and, you know, you can't bury your head in the sand when you have the vast majority of states in our country that have cannabis programs. And so there needs to be a way for those companies to be able to do banking and credit card processing, all of which is absence right now. And all that does is create a gray market. And of course, that's the exact thing that we don't want. We want a legal market, not a gray market. So are they still operating with cash then? Oh, yeah. I mean, if now we're switching to the full on marijuana industry, yes, if you go to dispensary, you're paying in cash. And, and, you know, a lot of them, a lot of those companies, you know, want to be good players. They want to file their taxes. They want to pay their taxes. It just makes it incredibly difficult when you can't do it under our traditional banking system. Okay. And before I let you go, what is next for Medical Marijuana Inc.? Do you have anything coming up, anything you want to share, any updates or news? We've got some great news coming. Of course, during the pandemic, it was really hard to do international expansion, but we kind of figured out a way to do it. What we really care about is free access. During the pandemic, our company opened in Japan. We became the first company to sell legal, non-psychoactive cannabis in Japan. We also opened in South Africa, and we saw some great early results from that. So we want to be the first player in the door. We want to be the company to go make the change in these countries where cannabis is still in an illegal or gray area. We want to change those laws and be first in the door, creating a global cannabis company 
is one of our goals as a company. I think when you look at most cannabis companies, they're just trying to go for a domestic type platform. We want to really create an international framework and we're well on our way of doing that. More international markets are coming and uh, couldn't be more excited about that. Certainly exciting news. Yeah, most companies are taking baby steps, but you're just, you're going all the way. You're going big. <laughs> we're going big, you know, for years in, in, in Brazil, for example. You know, we're lucky we live here in the United States where we can have free access to CBD products. In Brazil, it still requires a prescription from a doctor, believe it or not. And so we've got a flourishing business in Brazil that's that's growing like crazy right now. And, and so it's more like a pharma setup where we help consumers get with doctors. We help the doctors learn how to recommend. And then they have to go through an, an entire importation process, but not for long. Our company, I believe, will have a registered drug down in the country of Brazil here by the end of the year, which we're very excited about. Oh my gosh, you've got a lot going on. And one more question before I let you go. Uh, what is your prediction? Do you think that CBD will be categorized as a food, a dietary supplement, or maybe a new category? You know, uh, I think they ought to be governed just under Deshay like the rest of dietary supplements. Clearly, the, the 2018 Farm Bill made anything with less than 0.03% THC 100% legal. I think these products ought to fall under dietary supplement sort of guidelines and uh, hopefully with a full 1% concentration uh, coming up here with the passage of this farm bill. Okay, we will certainly be keeping our eyes on the farm bill. If any listeners out there want to get involved, the House and Senate Agriculture Committees are accepting feedback. The Senate Ag Committee has an online form and House Ag also has a form on its website. I will have a link to those on NutriIngredients-USA.com. Medical Marijuana Inc.'s CEO, Blake Schrader, thank you so much for joining me here on the NutriCast. All right, Danielle, I look forward to doing it again soon and thank you so much. If you like what you just heard, you can subscribe to the NutriCast wherever you get your podcast. You can also head to NutriIngredients-USA.com for even more Nutri-related content. Thank you for listening. I'm Danielle Masterson. As always, I'll catch you here on the NutriCast next week.